mine for Jack! Great. I swear... I defended you! When Danny accused you without any evidence! But now I see how right she was. I'm telling you, Ebony, you try and destroy everything we've built, you've got a war on your hands. And with that ominous warning from Bray, welcome to Series 2, Episode 44 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Maggie. Hi. We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 44, the screenplay was done by Charles Hodges. It was directed by John Callan. And the episode synopsis were read out by Maggie. Celine's disappearance casts further suspicion on Ebony, while Jack finds himself in hot water. Alice tries to find out who has captured Lex's heart, but her investigations could threaten a secret of a different kind. Okay, so let's jump right into the first scene panel. So, attending a nighttime ceremony of the Chosen, Trudy wants to stay with them and Brady, but the Guardian insists that he still needs her at the mall. They plan to capitalise on the Morax's mistrust of Ebony, with Trudy's suggestion that they use Spike to sow further discord. So yeah, what do you make of that opening ceremony and Trudy's eagerness to throw Spike under the bus for their cause? In all honesty, I think at this point in time, I get it. He needed someone that could be used to pin the blame on Ebony. And let's not forget, she was, you know, shortly with the Locos before Bray saved her, as he so, so lovely put it back then. So, yeah, she's known what kind of crazy things Spike does. And, I don't know, I'm glad she sacrificed someone as mean as Spike yeah. over a good guy. Yeah, and I think that also plays into, if you think about it, you know, she can't, she can't, I don't think she really can hurt Mallrat. No. Um, deep down, you know what I mean? Like, she's going to do whatever she can to make sure that she's with Brady. You know, this is for her child. Mm-hmm. And if that means that someone that, she, you know, that is, is more or less an enemy, you know, takes the fall and, and, and dies, then, then so be it. Yeah. Ooh. I really love the callback to Spike because um, it's like even though the Spike storyline with you know Ebony was actually pretty good, and um, I really felt for Spike wanting to get revenge on Ebony for what she'd put him through. He just also disappeared, and you know Ebony got over it, and that's been it. So it was just a cool thing that happened, but almost non consequential at the end of the day. So to bring it back. You know, again, I just, I really love when the show hones in on uh, consequences, Yeah. you know, what people do and that the karma that comes from the actions you took, they don't go Mm -hmm. away. They just kind of hang out in the ether. So this with Spike reminded me of running into Glenn at the tribal gathering, Mm -hmm. you know, Glenn, who you'd completely forgotten about from the first episode. And then Lex runs into him and gets some karmic punishment, well-deserved punishment. And uh, you're like, oh my gosh, that guy survived. Yeah, Lex, you had this coming, you know. So, um, yeah, I loved bringing Spike back and be like, oh my gosh, that is perfect. If there's anyone that Ebony would want to get revenge on, it'd be that guy. And mm-hmm. I just I, I, just love that. It shows how well thought out the writing is and that while something might be left on a back burner for episode after episode after episode, they haven't forgotten any of the balls that they're juggling, you know. Even if we have to wait through a lot of asinine stuff to get back into the juggle. I was like, that was really, really nice. 
as for Trudy choosing him, I, I don't think much of it. I mean, she's threatening 11-year-old girls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it's actually that odd that she could easily throw some guy she barely knows under the bus because, yeah, he's can a very convenient scapegoat, you know? And, oh, the ceremony. Okay, you guys, now, <laughs> children love to play pretend, and we hold on to that for many, many years. And so I'm watching this ceremony, and I was thinking, holy crap. This is something me and my friends would actually have fun doing. Like, yeah, when you think about it, for most of these kids, the chosen haven't had them do anything bad, you know. So it's just a lot of pomp and circumstance, and just a lot of fun mm -hmm. pretending, playing at this. We're part of something important, and there's our queen, and there's you know, there's our guardian, and I get to wear robes, and I get to chant. And I was like, in the early '90s, when we had no internet to entertain ourselves. <laughs> Me and my friends would have joined the Jews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I <laughs> we wouldn't have yeah. known how bad it was going to get and things that we'd be asked to do. But in the beginning, holy crap, this is a theater troupe. We would have had so much fun pretending because that's what it would have mm -hmm. been to us. We're just playing until things got serious. And I wonder how many kids were just having fun and playing at being important or being a part of something important. And really actually just enjoyed the pantomime until things got really serious. You know, like, yeah. what the yeah. you want me to do that? Oh, you're kidnapping people? Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Mm. This was just mm -hmm. supposed to be my after school activity. We're, we're blackmailing and holding a child hostage? Mm. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't. Mm. My mom didn't sign my release form. I got to go. <laughs> no permission slip. Sorry. Yeah, my inner child looked at that ceremony. I was like, that looks like so much fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I do have to say, I found it interesting to see that the Guardian now starts to refer to Trudy as Free Mother Bride of the Great One. That's because he's always adding stuff to his... Uh... Always. <laughs> I, I know, but he, it's not... He hasn't mentioned her being a bride of suit before. And I don't know, it just... It kind of stuck with me because of what happens with Ebony a couple of seasons on. I think it's reaching. I don't think there's any significance to it, but that's just me. I don't know. I just found it interesting because it it's just something he never calls her uh, Zoot's bride before it is, you know, but he's also saying all power to the Supreme Mother. <laughs> that's no, no, it's an interesting thing you brought up actually, because I don't, I was trying to remember if he actually mentions her as the bride again. I don't think he actually does. No. It's just in this episode. Yeah, just a one-off kind of phrase. Because it's always a supreme mother or... I mean, yeah. he never actually calls but, her again. But now it's like br supreme mother, bride of the great one. And later on, see his spirit here in his bride and in his child. It's yeah, it's a typical phrase to use. Mm. Is it something they drop though? Yeah, they don't bring it up again. Yeah. Well, as we see later, Jaffa's always rehoning his message. Yes. Mm -hmm. None of it actually He's always matters. gauging. He's gauging the crowd and seeing the reactions and then, you know, saying, okay, how can I make this better? Mm -hmm. He believes in so little of it, except yeah. his own importance <laughs> in the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why it's so weird that he suddenly says all power to the Supreme Mother, because before he used to say hail the all hail the Supreme Mother, but never all power to the Supreme Mother. It's all a show. It's all a yeah. show. He's yeah. a lot like Ebony in the fact that he wants to put on that show. For the crowd. 
Yeah, he just he, he's always rewriting his sketch, like his routine. Yeah. He's <laughs> leading a theater way. troupe, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like, ooh, this is my speech for tonight. And then, as you said, Maggie, he gauges everybody, you know, what got me the best, you know, results, what didn't, you know, what mm-hmm. can be problematic for me in the future, you know, and that's, I mean, the only thing Jaffa really believes in is his own importance in this. Yes. Everything yeah. else is just whatever. He's just saying it. So, you know, Bride of Zoo, like he gives a crap if he said it this night or, you know, never <laughs> says it again. You know, it's. See, I, I wonder if he specifically said it on this night because he knew he had to send Trudy back into the mall and this was a way to, you know, make her feel important too. It's possible because he does like to use, you know, what he can to make her feel like Mm -hmm. what she's doing is the right thing um, and that she's important, uh, at least for now, you know, Um, and that's part of him getting her on their side. Mm -hmm. And he's very manipulative. He's very good with his words. So, yeah, I I wouldn't doubt that that was specifically engineered because he already knew he had to send her back and she didn't want to go. And, you know, that's what the Chosen do. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was just thinking about what happens later. Yeah, he's very skilled at changing the narrative, mm-hmm. and yeah, upping and decreasing her importance whenever it <laughs> it matters to him. So yeah, it's, when yeah. it suits him. Yes. Yeah. When he needs everyone when it to. Suits him. Yes, when he needs everyone to look down on her, he makes them look down on her. When he needs yeah. everyone to praise her, he makes them praise her. So, uh, because they're gonna follow him. <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't need to worry. She's not important. And other times, oh yeah, she's the most important thing. The important thing ever. (laughs) He's very good at that. Yeah, I mean, Ebony is a master manipulator, but so is Jaffa. Imagine the two of them running the tribe together. Oh, my goodness. What would have happened? They'd get so caught up in trying to steal power from each other. Right! Like, could you, uh, dude, th- we wouldn't be having this issue right now if he would have just taken Ebony up on her offer because th- it would have imploded from within already. Yeah. I'm going to go on record and say, I think Jaffa would have won that battle. I I, I think he would have yeah. too. I think I she would have been better than Yeah, could have. Yeah. She would have ended up dead some way or another. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the showrunners would have ever let her actually lose that battle. No, that's what I'm telling. You know what I'm saying? The showrunners love Ebony, so even when she loses, she always claps back. Oh yeah. So I guarantee that the way they would play that out is Jaffa would he'd get the first blow. He would draw blood quickly. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And Ebony would be like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming! Holy crap!" (laughs) And she'd have to come back from the the ashes, and then she would come back in the third act, and Jaffa would be like, "It's you!" You know what I mean? No, no, no. It would have been Jaffa on the floor, not Bob. If there was um, no favorites, I mean, yeah, the- yeah. I mean, logically, yes. Guardian, yeah. <laughs> but Ebony is is she's the only character that's there. You know what I mean? All five, like mm-hmm. all five seasons. Like she, I, I don't know how it happened, but she ended up the protagonist. It's in one way or another, if you will. Um, the tribe has just been Ebony's journey through the apocalypse. Literally, like it is. It is her story. This, this. I don't understand why anybody else is important. This is Ebony's show. That's why she got her own character. Ah, oh, she did wonderful with it. Mm-hmm. Be wild, you guys. If that really was just the true narrative, like we only ever met the mall rats because they play a part in her story. Yes. Yeah. That's, I can't anymore. That's my headcanon now. Thanks. <laughs> 
That's it. It's always been her story, or just her walk across the wasteland. (laughs) Yes, every season, one like the giant major plot revolves around her. It's the story of a girl. Who's Amber? (laughs) I don't know. Far wrong. We see Ebony's life from school. <laughs> she, she gets, the, she gets the, yeah. the main guys, you know, like family. Yeah, it's heavily yeah. Ebony. <laughs> this is it, yo. Yeah, but the tribe sounded so much better than the Ebony show, you know. The tribe, <laughs> a story of Ebony. The tribe, my sidekicks, my sidekicks. <laughs> yes. I mean, I love Ebony. I wouldn't mind if we had more focus on Ebony. <laughs> Even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, I love, I I love her. She, I think she is mm-hmm. my favorite female character in the show, um, with in the entirety of the show. You know, not if you don't pick out part the seasons, like just in the show itself, she's the one. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Danny and Bray. <sighs> okay, we have to. <laughs> Fine, I guess. I mean, it's just before we start. I just love. How he says, please don't fluff the handle, okay? Yes! Oh my god, it was great. It was so good. He, he was like, he, I know how you can oh, act. I <laughs> love that he acknowledges that she's in that she's she has that those moments, you know. I love that he he said it and she wasn't just like, you know, like she didn't lose it. Didn't deny it. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll try. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging it, Cloud9. We needed you to we needed to know that you knew that she was neurotic. Okay? Yeah. I told you, I don't know where she is. Then why are you holding out on me? Well, I'm not. Yes, you are. I know you and I can tell. Come on, spill. Okay. Okay, but don't fly off the handle, okay? Why? What is it? It's nothing. Just calm down. I'll tell you. Worried about Celine, Danny asks Ryan if he knows anything about where she went, but Ryan says he doesn't care and that she should ask Bray. And though Bray is initially cagey, he does later tell Danny exactly what happened with Celine, admitting that he's worried about her, but reassuring Danny that his feelings go no further. So, how did you react to Bray actually admitting to Danny what happened and the overall concern for Celine here? Good for him. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't have been this. I mean, I would have told her, but I don't think I would have had the same concern if it were me. Um, but he, I think he handled it really well, and he didn't try to hide it from Danny and and. Uh, I think the whole conversation was very mature. Um, she did well, you know, for what she, with the information that she was given, I think she handled it. It's suspiciously mature. Yes. Yeah. Considering how everything else has been, yes. I, I almost feel like this was written as a reaction or a response to criticisms of these two lately. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on. I mean, just what he says, don't fly off the handle. How calm and maturely Danny suddenly is, you know, that Bray is able to just talk to her Mm -hmm. calmly about what happened, you know, and she's able to just express her feelings in a Mm -hmm. calm voice. Hard being and even tell guy. him to go look for her. Yeah. yeah, respect that he cares about his friend. And I could. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can see Amber in that seat. Yeah, I can. I can see Amber there. Because uh, I feel like that's how Amber would have reacted in this moment. But that's just me. But then again, I did notice another writer. So they're oh. probably like, um, yeah. no, <laughs> this is this gun out of hand. Right? Not today. <laughs> 
I have to say, though, I really like that Ray tried to, you know, explain it, not with a, oh, yeah, Celine did something stupid, she tried this on me. But he just goes for, see, Celine, she's got some problems. Yeah, no, he did, I think he did wonderful with it. Yeah, with us, he's very confused, nothing happens, Mm -hmm. he's got some problems. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's moments like this that make me like Bray. I love how he tells her, I have the right to care about her. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You know, like, regardless of whether or not whatever Celine did and how wrong it was to do to Bray, doesn't change the fact that he cares about his friend, you right. know, and yeah. he's worried about her. And I love how he tells Danny that, like, I know it sucks that the girls, like, have no shame <laughs> of flaunting it in your face that they're trying to get me. That's not cool, but I have a right to care about my friend, regardless, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You're, and I was like, wow. Go you. That's why this whole conversation, I was like, this is so mature and suspicious. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be okay with the interaction. I was expecting something way worse. And I yeah. not even gonna say I was okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't like the scene. Like I'm not happy with it. I wish you would have flown off the handle because it would have been more in <laughs> yep. character, right? And more entertaining. But Good for them, I guess. Good for them for being able to have this conversation and good for her for being able to pull it back because she did start, you know, to get upset, but she was able to pull it back and she was able to rein herself in. Good on you, Danny. Yeah, I mean, we have to give massive props to the writer, Charles Hodges, because he he seems to give Danny one of the most realistic things I've ever seen the writers give her when she talks about the feelings about having all the guys, having the guy that all the girls want. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Realistic thing Danny's ever said. Thank you, right? <laughs> yes. I'm happy that she told him he needed to to go look for her. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I do know that if Celine had been in her right mind and she hadn't been going through this mental cycle, whatever it is she's going through, she wouldn't have done what she did. Right? Um, I don't feel like if she's in, you know, a good place, like when she is doing well, she's well, you know. But when she's mentally unwell, it, it goes bad, and this is what happened. I'm not. I'm not excusing what she did. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I. I don't feel like um, Celine season one would have done something like this, or even Celine beginning season two. You know what I mean. I definitely um, believe season one Celine would do this. Maybe yeah. but when she, in, in, in the throes of her bulimia, yeah. You know, in the throes of that, yes. But when she got better. She was willing to let someone die. Yeah. And and after all of that, towards the end of season it's, one, beginning you know, of it's mainly two, because okay? this person was a threat to the things that she wanted and Which she was sick of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I it's agree with you. It is when Celine's in a bad place mentally, mm-hmm. but yeah. that's just it. Like she veers in and out of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely think she's bipolar. Yeah, you, you can't always tell when she's going to do be in that low place and once she's there gloves are off and what she's willing to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i can see celine um trying this wow basically in every season there was a point where celine yeah. would totally have tried this <laughs> really you know what I mean? like every really? season celine reaches yes. a place in she her mental state where i'm like hard, huh? yeah i'm like mm-hmm. she would totally do that you know what i mean and every season has a spiral for celine where she I does something where hate. you're like whoa celine don't do that you know every yeah. season gives her one so 
So yeah, um, all right. I could see her mm-hmm. trying to assault Bray in any season. I could see her trying to kill Tony <laughs> in any season. Okay, you know, I could okay. see her dedicating her child to a cult in any season. In any season, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. What they all have in common is that spiral. <laughs> I'm with Liz on this. Selling herself into prostitution. She doesn't want to be there, but she'll do it. Oh, you guys are probably absolutely right. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, you're right. No, you're right. But it's like I said, it's always when she's in a really bad place. You know what I mean? Yeah, but she's, she's always doing... in a really bad place. Just, and that's what sucks. She's not always in a bad place. Not but always. She cycles through them. Yes. Each season, she cycles yes. through them. Every time you think, okay, good, here she goes. We're getting some growth. Good for you, Celine. Something happens. And it doesn't and, take yeah. much to set nope. the spiral yeah. off. No. I mean, she's easier to set off than Trudy is. Come on. That's, it, she is. And that's why I don't understand this whole Trudy Moody thing. Like, <laughs> Celine mm-hmm. is the one. She is the one that is constantly in emotional turmoil and, and making others around her suffer. I think that's probably something very clever written about Celine's character. When, Sel- when Trudy goes off the rails, it is actually out of character for her. So it's incredibly noticeable. Yeah. And it's memorable, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people right. remember that about Trudy, even though it's proven it's not truly her character, you know. Yeah. But I think Celine is so well written, even if I hate much of the things <laughs> she does. I won't deny Celine is well written because she is so realistic as somebody who is like this mm-hmm. that when she does go off the rails, it is so subtle and gradual that you it doesn't stand out. It just becomes a part of her character that you've rationalized and forget that it's there, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's a much more realistic portrayal of someone like that in your life than say Trudy going off the rails. You know what I'm saying? We all know way more Celine's than Trudy's. Celine manages to slide in and out of, I don't want to use any t- jargon that I don't understand, but she slides in and out of these places mentally, yeah. so mm-hmm. easily, so fluidly that the people around her, they haven't picked up the, they haven't even been able to pick up the patterns of this behavior to recognize them and yeah. to see the triggers. She reminds me a lot of my sister in in that aspect, the up and downs and and mm-hmm. it, it just being who she is that everybody has just rationalized in their heads that this is, you know. Yeah, and I think it is what people do in time. You know, you just at some point you just accept, okay, this is how this person is. And yeah. everyone knows that's the way this person is. So they'll just accept it and just take it for what, what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. When Celine is good, she's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll give her props where it's due, you know, but when when she's bad, it's bad and it's bad for a lot of people around her. Yep. Um, And it, it sucks. It just sucks. But it's it's well written. And she, I think that she's well played. I think Victoria does wonderful with her. Mm-hmm. Um, She does really well. Uh, it's just a shame. Because you see that growth, you know, throughout the show and you want you, you want to root for her, you know, and I, I have. Yeah, every time I watch the show, I want to root for Celine, and then I'm reminded of all of the things that she's she does and she has done, and and the type of person that she can be. And I'm like, dang, you know, it's just hard. And the targets of Celine's actions are also unsettling because even her targets aren't obvious. Like you could say Trudy was obvious in season one because Trudy was being horrible <laughs> mm-hmm. to Celine, you know. So it's like, yeah, why wouldn't Celine just kind of snap and decide, I'm going 
she die you know it's not for me mm-hmm. to save you no one will miss you you're a terrible mother anyway and you're being a pain in my butt um so that's an obvious target for her ire but bray is not you know and even if no. she wants to color with what she did oh but i love him it was an aggressive act against another person an act this mm-hmm. person didn't want it was unwelcome he felt assaulted even if he immediately forgave her and made up rationalized excuses for her it was that's not something you do to someone that you love celine should know this because it literally just happened to her this season and um Mm -hmm. yeah so you never really know who the target will ever be with celine which is even more frightening because it could be someone she absolutely adores (laughs) yeah yeah it usually is those closest too you know and that what makes it all the more crappy poor bray yeah for once yeah for once poor poor bray because i'm gonna say this when he realized that she was she was talking about him and she was feeling those things for like because he realized it you know in that conversation uh that they were having and and he removed he tried to remove himself from her yeah so good for him for seeing it this time i suppose you know well, we said he's becoming more self-aware. <laughs> yes, he is. Maybe he's finally becoming, you know, actually becoming a man, I guess. <laughs> he's not hes not a boy no more. Or he's just realizing all the women in his life are crazy. Wow. <laughs> I think he's known that. He's just not <laughs> accepting it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he didn't accept Martin either. No. My brother's not killing small animals. No, not Martin. No. 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 No, no Martin, that's he, was a good, he was a good little boy. He's my sweet baby angel. My sweet baby brother. <laughs> huh, wasn't that what he said about Martin at some point? Yeah, he was troubled. He did say he was troubled. He did say that once, yes. But I feel like he said, I feel like what he was referring to was after his dad died. After their dad died. Mm-hmm. It was when he really went off the rails and then he was like, you know, he was a troubled boy and and whatnot um oh yeah my mind just went from oh he said martin was troubled he wasn't like that he was so sweet and gentle and he also said well celine he's got some problems yeah and that's the thing though is break and acknowledge you know yeah. that, and like i said i good for him for you know trying to explain it to danny as gently as he could mm-hmm. and he did he did he explained it very well and good for danny on how she handled it and for you know yeah. realizing realizing what she did you know what i mean and and yeah responding how she did good for her and this pains me (laughs) don't worry it's not a rabbit hole you can compliment danny and not fall down a a slope of oh my gosh i can totally understand she and bray and blah 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 no it's (laughs) because she if she will stop it in its tracks even if she's fighting a little (laughs) bit she will do something you'll be like oh right yeah that's right yeah never mind I forgot. When we were first together, it was like she needed me. That made me feel good. But the more it went on, it sort of changed, and, and I needed her more, but she didn't need me as much. And that made me jealous. Um, just hang on a minute. What? I just remembered something. I'll, I'll get to it with you later. Thanks a lot. So Lex goes to see how Ryan is and apologizes to him for being distracted recently. As Ryan really opens up to him about Celine and not losing it again, Lex spots Tystan and makes excuses to leave. And yeah, I kind of wanted to focus on that bit panel. Like, what did you think? What do you think the scene really says about the state of Ryan and Lex's relationship? Uh, Lex just, you know, he will only listen to Ryan when it suits him, and when there's not something 
different going on that's more important to him. And it, it really, really annoyed me that he just left Ryan there to run after Tyson once again. It's not surprising, though. No, but still annoying. Yeah, and it sucks, you know, like, it sucks for Ryan, you feel for him. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you understand somewhat, like, you know, Lex is, he's in love. <laughs> he's in love, I think he's in love genuinely for the first time. And that's all he can think about. But their their relationship has been has been on the downward slope for a while. I think it mm -hmm. it wasn't even really starting to go back up, you know, after Ryan went and brought him home. Um, because Lex still kept Lex is still Lex, like you said. It don't, you know when it suits him. You know the point of the scene. This has already been established that Bray will. I mean, sorry, that Lex will ditch Ryan. Yeah. Um, and not just for any girl, but with Tyson. They've already established this exact scene with Tyson, Lex, and Ryan. Mm -hmm. There was another scene where he starts talking to Ryan. Ryan starts opening up. Lex notices Tyson, who's like, "We get to sneak around. We get some alone time," and he immediately bails on Ryan. Yeah. So that felt like, why are you showing this again? We've already established that. Also, it's not like they have done anything for Ryan and Lex's relationship of late to no. bolster it or show yep. any strength. I mean, they've had two genuine moments all season showing their friendship. And that's Ryan going after Lex despite his actions towards Celine mm -hmm. um, because he just couldn't sleep a night without his boyfriend. And then we have the moment where Lex is with Ryan in the bar. He goes after Ryan. Yeah. And um, that's it out of an entire season. You know, and granted, their relationship is better this season than it's, say, season one. Um, yeah, I just, this feels like a very pointless scene. Are we just supposed to be hearing what Ryan is venting about? Because I think we've established Ryan is still mad, doesn't care where Celine is. Are we, we're hearing this scene to reassure ourselves that Ryan isn't going to go off the deep end and unalive himself out of, you know, his feelings? Maybe. I, I just don't know what the point of this scene is. I'm glad you brought that because I wasn't quite sure the point of this scene is because like, we've, we've, we've just gone through this whole, like, episode of seeing how Lex is with a genuine friend like Alice. And then just to see him, like, just <laughs> blank Ryan after he's trying to give pour his heart out to him, it just, it just seemed a bit odd. I, I didn't yeah. quite the point of this scene either there's yeah there's one thing that really bugs me about it's this scene and it's not just lex's behavior it's the fact that they made us believe that tyson is so sensitive to everyone and everyone's emotions and she's standing there she can probably hear and see that ryan is upset and she's looking so impatient at lex with a come on already um i don't think they've ever established that about tyson she is not sensitive to people's feelings and if she is she made it clear she doesn't care about them like that is a consistent thing about <laughs> she cares about other people's feeling it's more that she notices them you know sure it doesn't mean she always acts on it <laughs> that's consistent this is not somebody who i feel has been established as someone who is like lay herself on the wire for the feelings of others <laughs> There shouldn't be anything surprising about the fact that Tyson shows up during a heart-to-heart -heart and is like, yo, I need your lips. <laughs> She's done it before. <laughs> it just really, really bugs me that she does. Makes me dislike her even more. I mean, that's fine. I really do think that scene should have more like, I understand she and Lex do have to talk about the Alice thing. And um, yeah, you know. 
and they have to sneak around. So they have to wait for these moments where no one will notice that they've run off together. But I know this scene already exists in this season. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. And I know this scene, I think, even exists almost some, something similar in season one. So yeah. I don't know why you're going to show me this to establish the things I already know exist unless you're going to do something different with it. And as Lance actually pointed out, you have just shown how good a friend Lex actually is capable of being. And then you show him being this way with Ryan. It's like he learned nothing from his time mm-hmm. with Alice. And yeah. I'm like, this could have been improved a little bit by having like Lex say, hold on, Ryan. And then he goes over to Tyson. He's like, look, I have to, you know, put off seeing you. Ryan clearly needs me. And, you know, Ty Sammy and like, oh, yeah, okay, but we're going to have to talk about the Alice situation. Yeah, we will later, you know, establish what their conversation needs to be about and then have them go back and listen to Ryan because otherwise this scene was absolutely pointless. It makes it seem like he just doesn't really care about Ryan as a friend. Yeah, it just made them look worse. And it was like, why? (laughs) Yeah, why do that? We already know they look bad. Like, to what end is <laughs> this year? You just end up feeling bad for Ryan because he's actually willing to talk about what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as, like, as soon as he goes, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to, like, off myself. The conversation was over. So was it just mm-hmm. there to reassure the audience? Actually, this makes me even more annoyed now because thinking about <laughs> we're going to have a, a double wedding soon. And, like, mm-hmm. oh. this is your friend, your best friend, supposedly, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what happens next, but like they they really make up in the next what couple of episodes? No, <laughs> like, this could have been a scene used to help mend that, but no. It mm-hmm. just kinda, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's a reflection. Now I don't. How do I say this? Um, my brothers, my you know, my boyfriend, my uncles, my dad. They would describe their relationships with their male friends when they were younger, similar to this, at least publicly, mm-hmm. um, where they there was a sense of just nonchalance with one another. And the moments of truly opening up and telling each other something were rare and few between. Yeah. It was almost a given that, hey, yo, my girlfriend, you know, and it's like, oh, fine, you know. It was almost accepted that they were would do these sort of things to each other when they were younger, when they were kids. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that changed as they became adults. Um, so maybe they feel this is, when they were writing this, they felt this was an honest reflection of how young men are friends with each other. But I think that does a disservice to young men. Um, because, you know, when you really listen to guys talk about their truest, bluest friendships when they were kids with somebody, I I just don't feel this is as black and white as they've made Ryan and Lex. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Ryan and Lex are one of the prime examples of a male friendship on the show. And Jack and Dal are the only second, only the second one we ever get. I mean, we don't get a bromance for a very long time after these two. And it sucks. <laughs> I just feel they suck. You know, I don't think yeah. they justice mm-hmm. to young men at all. And I feel they could have done so much more with it. Bring on Slade and uh, Ram. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> That's the only, that is literally the only thing of that season that I enjoy. Oh mm-hmm. One of the greatest That's romances it. ever told. I love Ram and Slade. They yeah. are amazing. That's season five. That's so far away. Yes, I know. I know. And that's what I'm saying. There just aren't any romances that are healthy reflections (sighs) of what young men can be to each other. You know? I mean, right. Yeah. I can't think 
Val and Jack were on a good path. You know, they, 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 could they reminded me of actual 13-year-old boys. But mm-hmm. they immediately said, guess what? Every bromance can completely be destroyed by a sexual interest. That's it. That's all. By a pretty little blonde. And, um, and, and Ryan and Lex have always been a dysfunctional bromance from the moment mm-hmm. we met them. And but I they could have been good. They could have grown. Like, they couldn't have taken them from that unhealthy place and showed how, as each of them grew into better people, it improved their bromance. But they they don't. And Mm. male relationships are so rare on the show. It's just like, why would you take the only two you have and do nothing really positive with them? Is that that what you believe young men are like? You know? Yeah. They only really have the boys open up to the girls. The young female mm-hmm. audience isn't going to know any better. <laughs> like we're going to be like, oh, I guess this is what boys are like with boys, yeah. you know. But what about the young men watching this and thinking, that's not how I am with my friends, or yeah, it's not what I strive for. But yeah, no, you're right. Just, mm-hmm. That's quite sad, actually. <laughs> what happened to bros before hoes? I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh-huh. Not in tribe world. <laughs> Not in tribe world. That all the rules went out the window. Everything went. Everything. Well, if there's any one rule in tribe world, there is there is no putang that you ever turn down. Like no. just, that is always the priority. Who wants your knickers? That's your priority always and forever. I mean, speaking of that, that's quite a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> While working on the amulet with. Ed- Dal finds himself fantasizing about her. When she then asks him for a shoulder rub, he, that, that is, it sets him off and he can't take it anymore and confesses that he's in love with her. <sighs> Although initially surprised, Ellie later goes to speak to Dal and does let him down gently. And yeah, let's focus on that panel. Like, what do you make of Ellie and Dal in this episode? And do you think the scene doesn't, not, does not show that Lex and Tasha should have immediately set things straight with Alice? It's a nice contrast. It's showing how better things would have been if they had handled it that way you know because um obviously you see that's to me i think that's the point that these are different people and see how they handle the very same situation you know Mm -hmm. he comes out he tells her i and i even love the fact that dal doesn't tell her because i have to get off my chest he tells her because being around her is so painful and he needs to give her a reason for why he can't be around her and you know, showing Ellie telling him so quickly that she's flattered by it, his attention, she thinks it's really sweet, how well she thinks of him, but also very kindly making clear it's not going to happen. You know, I'm. it doesn't change how I feel about Jack. I, I, I love how clever she was able to do that. You know, yeah. like, she didn't even come out and say, I don't like you or I'm not interested. And Dal still got the message. You know, I was like, oh, wow, Ellie, you have tact i didn't know that <laughs> yeah exactly kudos sweetheart <laughs> um, so there's that you know almost like a, hey everybody's maturing take a code from the, the oh younger kids you know they actually have it together but <laughs> but despite giving ellie all of those points ellie dal just told you i can't be here around you because i'm in love with you this hurts and ellie says oh. thank you this is sweet i like think you're great Dal. now let's go back to work <laughs> yeah <laughs> ellie, that's why we told you well maybe she thinks if they work it'll just distract them right she won't make she's not gonna ask for a back rub again that's for sure that's true <laughs> like she knows now where the line is 
Oh, okay. So I don't undress in front of you. Cool. Gotcha. <laughs> no perfume testing for you. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly how I needed it to go. Oh, man. Poor Dow. I do like that she just instantly tells him that she knows he would never do anything about it. I'm saying she has a respect for him, you know? Yeah. Like, you're just not that type. You wouldn't have pushed the limits. You use your words. You tell me how you felt. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. didn't take any liberties with me. Yeah. And use that as your excuse. And so that's her way of saying, it doesn't bother me that you like me that way because I trust you and I respect you. I know we have a re mutual respect that you'll never cross that boundary between us. You'll. It's her way of saying, I expect you to respect our friendship regardless of yeah. your feelings. And Dal got that message, like, oh, mm -hmm. right, that would not be welcome. She's letting me know in the kindest way that that wouldn't be yeah. welcome. Mm -hmm. And um, I won't let her down. I won't do that to her. Yeah. And it's good to see that, you know? Go Ellie. You handled that like a pro. Who knew? <laughs> but yeah, it just made me laugh. And she was just like, okay, you over the discomfort? Let's go back to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand back here. It's so easy when you're not the interested party. Right. And I guarantee, like, as again, mm -hmm. Ellie handled this really well. But you have to admit, there's, like, from Dal's point of view, there's probably a tiny level of um, insensitivity. And I, I know I would have handled it just like that at her age. Completely blind, blinded to the fact that this mm -hmm. poor kid is into me. And just be like, um, no, I don't want to go to dance with you, but can you help me with my homework? You know, I totally would have done something like that when I was 13. Oh, yeah. And I was going to bring this up because we don't get to see them that often. Like, what do you make of the little fantasy scene? And do you think we should have had a bit more of them in the tribe? They can be silly. So I'm glad, personally, I'm just glad we didn't see a ton of them. But I think they could have a place. Mm -hmm. I suppose. Don't we get enough fantasy stuff in season four and five? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, what, what part of season four is actually real life? That's like, it, that's, they that's took it too far. Too but, um, that's very true. <laughs> I do think it has its place because, for example, Dal is not the kind of person who just wears every emotion he has on his sleeve. There's some yes. characters who are some characters are constantly put in situations where they can speak about their emotions all the time. And so we always know how they feel about something. Dal is not that character. So this was actually a very useful tool to show something that Dal wouldn't say out loud to anybody, not in any sort of detail. The closest he comes is, you know, joking with Alice about having a crush on her sister, you know, or later saying, I'm... I feel guilty because I like her. The fantasy really paints what he's seeing in his mm -hmm. head that he hasn't said to anybody. So it does serve a purpose and it's sweet and it's simple and it's not over the top or anything like that. He just wants to kiss a girl, you know? Oh, Dallas, like I feel you. I feel you. It's been a nice organic build up to it too. Like that was my main motivation for a year of my life to just get a kiss. Oh, <laughs> Dallas. I feel you, Dal. But I don't, I obviously season four shows what happens when you overplay what everybody fantasizes about. Yeah. You know, what happens mm -hmm. when we get to see everybody's freaking fantasy. 
you know, and it stops being clever or interesting. So I don't know. Just limit it. I guess. Yeah. Let, let's limit it. <laughs> because now his fantasy seems out of place in these early seasons where we never, what, we've only seen one fantasy and that was uh, Ryan having a dream about Zondra and it turned out it was and Bob, then, you know? Yeah. It's a fish. That's pretty much yeah, it. So it's very, very rare for this to happen. And then we overbalance in two seasons and <laughs> there has to be a good middle ground. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll just say it worked here. Can't really yeah. say it would have worked if we had more of them. Imagine it. Carrying a secret around, never being able to tell anybody. What would that be like? I, um, I wouldn't know. I, I don't have a secret. Mm, worrying constantly that somebody's going to find out would drive you mad, wouldn't it? Look, what are you trying to say? Nothing. Something wrong? Of course not. Excuse me. I, um, uh, I have to go feed my daughter now. All right. Realizing that Trudy has left the mall and is still suspicious of the meal she cooked for Lex, Alice believes that she's the one that Lex is in love with. And Trudy's later rattled when Alice confronts her and starts talking about secrets. See, I, I love this scene, but what would you make of that scene? Mm -hmm. Alice elevates <sighs> this scene. And, and Tony is acting so brilliant. So brilliant. <laughs> it's a little lighthearted. I love it. I like it. It's taking jabs at a very serious situation. I, it's just right. It works for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love it the way it's played. Got you, girly. <laughs> I don't think it would have worked with any other characters than these two. No. It's just so fun to see, you know, because you have Alice working her way, trying to figure out and get confirmation that she's right, even though she isn't. And then Trudy hiding all those things and worrying that Alice might be on to her, and that's a problem. <laughs> I wonder if she was like, okay, what do I have to do to make this stay quiet, you know? Mm -hmm. She's like, who do, who do, do I have to kill her? Do, do I got to take her out? Like, oh, man. Uh, I think she instantly thought, but, but it's Alice. I won't win this. <laughs> yeah, I can't fight her. I can't threaten her. Yeah. I can't give yeah. her a demented jack-in-the-box, you know? No! <laughs> How do I torment this person? Yeah, it's it's... It's the tone is really good because, you know, Trudy has a genuine reason to be, you know, concerned mm -hmm. that someone is on yes. her and yes. it's not a little kid and it's not someone who is not as emotionally reliable like Celine, you know, and, Alice um, can do something. Right. And yet Alice is so off the mark that it adds almost almost a comedic spin to it you mm -hmm. know and so yeah the tone is really handled very well even just the kind of the comedy behind alice interrogating women in the tribe to find out which one lex <laughs> likes you know there's something kind of funny about that and mm -hmm. but all i could think you guys seriously was like trudy are you trying to give that baby botulism i know it's not your baby so you don't give a crap about it but you just gave it milk that's been sitting out in a pitcher yeah, just give the baby some juice or water or some juice like seriously i was cringing the whole time i was watching them handle that bottle and her pouring that milk in, and i'm like she's trying to kill that baby so she can get back to brady oh, oh i'm no. so sorry baby <laughs> <laughs> mystery baby boy <laughs> oh Poor little thing. And the, you know it wasn't refrigerated because she literally left it on the counter after she left the room. I was like, oh, I know. oh my, oh my, no, no. 
Alice puts her hands all over the nipples. Stop it! You're killing me! <laughs> Where's the hand sanitizer? Why isn't that baby on solids yet? This is ridiculous. Because <laughs> that baby is six months old. Don't you know? Nah, it's a good scene. Yeah. Just fun enough. Good cross wires, good timing, good writing, good acting. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's only the second adult, I guess you could say, that Trudy's had to confront within the tribe that has made her feel that they might be onto her. Mm-hmm. And she's actually scared of Alice taking notice. She wasn't scared when Celine did it. She was just, she knew she could shout Celine down. She knew she could manipulate yeah. Celine. She had control. With Alice, she just wants to get away. <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't you? Like, she's onto me? Crap. Yep, I'm screwed. Yep. Yeah. It's time to leave. And later you'll see Danny talking to her and how easily she manipulates Danny. And that's really creepy because um, I it's weird, that whole conversation. Totally different tone than the one she has with Alice. Um, you know, I mean, kudos to Danny for actually bringing a concern to Trudy, you know, about Chloe. I'm like, could you be sensitive to that or whatever? But it's creepy because Trudy says something about why she's afraid to let Chloe near her baby. But she doesn't come out and say it. You hear things. That's what she says. And then Danny goes, oh, I understand. And I'm like, what do you understand? What do you think Trudy was implying there? Like, that that got dark. And then they just right over. And I was like, what are you implying Chloe would do? What are you telling them? And it was so unsettling. Jealousy, killing. Because Danny doesn't even question it. She doesn't even no. think Chloe would never. That's not what Chloe's never. like. You know, yeah, she might be a jealous little girl, but come on, it's Chloe. She just immediately goes, oh, I understand. Okay, you know, and I'm like, this is what Chloe's been afraid of this whole time. Mm-hmm. And how easy Trudy was able to do it. Yeah. To say something like that. And the adult in question didn't even think, wait, that sounds off. That's not Chloe. You know what I mean? Like, no wonder Chloe has reached a point where she's just like, Trudy's weird. If you're not careful, you're all going to be weird like her. And just has given up on trying to communicate with these people. Mm-hmm. That was so unsettling that she would even infer something like that about Chloe. Like, Trudy! <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like that. Danny pretty much accepted that Chloe would do something to the baby. Come on. Danny, I know you would, but Chloe isn't you. No. I I think that's the whole issue. Danny could could imagine herself doing something like that. It is such a dark thing to imply. And I'm like, what has Chloe ever done that you would even consider that to be, oh, possible? Mm-hmm. Well, they're only looking at her as a jealous child right now. All of these kids, mm-hmm. everything they have done, how they've behaved, how could you believe that about a single one of them? Even Casey. Yeah. You have to really think about how these children have behaved at the core of their behavior. Not a single one of those kids have ever done anything that could justify you believing they would harm Brady. Out of jealousy. None of them. Not even Casey at his worst. These kids have never shown that sort of behavior, that sort of drive. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So to believe it so easily, to simply accept that's what Trudy is concerned about, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it does, really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's quite dark. (laughs) I don't think Trudy ever makes amends with Chloe. I'm trying to remember if she ever does. 
No, not really. Of what she put this child through. I'm not saying that Trudy owed the whole world an apology. I'm not, I don't want to go down that road. I'm just thinking, No. did she ever sit down with Chloe? Did she ever have that chance to say, I am sorry, sweetheart? You know what I mean? Like, you got the brunt of it. Because she did. And mm -hmm. I know a Trudy in her right mind would not be proud of herself or happy she had done those things to Chloe. Nor would she have done those things to Chloe. So, um, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think they ever had the chance to reconcile. That's pretty heartbreaking, actually. It's really no wonder Chloe goes off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And why she rebels later. I know, the family like the Mallrats, well, Ved doesn't look so bad now. Mm -hmm. and I, I really hate Ved, but go for it, Chloe. <laughs> right? You're absolutely right. Before, I was like, oh my god, this is unsufferable, but now it's like, this is so justified, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> you go for it, girl. This is, yeah, I've I, I seen season four in a new light. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> And these mall rats set her up to be killed by the Chosen for crying out loud. What did she get for that? Nothing. Not even gratitude. Nope. Go have your fun. with. He's kind of cute. He looks like he belongs in a boy band. Have your fun. <laughs> He's willing to lie to you just because he wants you. That's got to be flattering when you're 13. <laughs> Go for yeah. a glow. Give me that. What? I don't play games, Jack. Give me the bug. It's not what you think it is. It is exactly what I think it is. At the hotel, Ebony baits Jack about the bug. All thanks, of course, to Danny having let it slip out earlier. And she lies in wait to catch him in the act of retrieving it. But Bray, worried that Ebony might be involved in Sunny's disappearance, arrives in time to rescue Jack. At the same time, confronts Ebony with the discovery of Spike's dead body in her pool. So yeah, what do you make of Ebony's scheming and the revelation of Spike's murder? I love Bray's knight in shining armor, you know, rushing through the door like that, saving Jack. Yeah. Jack I'm, in the background still whimpering. I love the execution of the scene, the timing, mm -hmm. like yes. the way it was built up, the way it plays out. One, I love that this is how Ebony decided to deal with the fact that Jack has been sent to spy on her. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so Ebony. I'm just yeah. going to mess with him and intimidate him. You know what I mean? Like, that's so Ebony. You know, um, because again, <laughs> they sent him back. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> and it clearly, they didn't even warn Jack. They didn't even bother to tell him, by the way, she knows you're she spying knows. on you. Mm -hmm. He was caught completely off guard. Um, I, I, that's all really fun. It's so ebony, you know, so the, the caper between her and Jack, very fun. Um, and it's like, yeah. And I love that Ray has a very good reason for going to see ebony he's not going there to accuse her of random violence or just he's like he wants to go and see about a specific friend who has disappeared mm -hmm. and people are wondering. i'm gonna just go to the source of who i suspect might have some information about this so that's a really good reason for him to be there in the first place he's concerned celine literally just disappeared out of nowhere and finding spike's body which eerie mm. Ooh. Yeah. Good makeup, guys. Good makeup. Because that, mm -hmm. that was an unsettling looking corpse. Yes. Just the idea, like, we haven't had anyone die on the show in a long time. And to have someone die out of a vengeful act, we yeah. never actually have mm -hmm. had a violent death. Yeah. Yeah. People have died, but it's usually something that the others couldn't control. 
you know, mm-hmm. Zoot accidentally offed himself, you know, and Glenn died of the flu. You know what I mean? People like got blown up. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but this, he was marked. <laughs> Straight up. Right. Like, oh my gosh, there is a murdered boy in the pool. <laughs> That's so... <laughs> There'd be a lot more blood. <laughs> um, oh. So that's just really unsettling. And, you know, Bray hearing Jack scream, because of course he's screaming. He's in pain, you know? Yeah. And he's he's a tiny little boy. He's, he's not built for this. <laughs> he's just a baby. Tell me who gave you the bug. That is fabulous. Again, everything's so yes. in character. And there's this great lead up mm-hmm. to Bray being like, Who's next on your hit list? I love the conversation because oh, Ebony doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. talking about. You know, like, mm-hmm. well, if I had one, she'd be at the top of the list. And so she's incriminating herself and mm-hmm. him dragging mm-hmm. her down. Look at her expression, her reaction to that body. Oh, ah, I loved it. It was all so good. She's not oh, even arguing with him because she has a mm-hmm. bigger fish to fry. Somebody got a yep. dead body in here and set me up. Mm-hmm. And in her pool. In her pool. Like, that's her prized possession and nobody yeah. saw it. Nobody yeah. saw this? Oh man, that scene is yeah, and where was her militia? Right. That's why you could see it on her face as she's working it out. You couldn't just get this body in here unless I've got people already working against me in here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. competent people working against me in here. <laughs> great scene. Absolutely yeah, great scene. And she knows what Spike is like. It takes more than just one single girly to take him out. It's not even just that. It's that whoever did this knew mm-hmm. she was the per Like, someone is setting her specifically yeah. up. Like, that's what yeah. she's getting. Because why else would it be Spike? Spike is someone she has a personal vendetta against. So whoever mm-hmm. did this... Who knows that? Knows she has a vendetta yeah. against him. And was willing to go yeah. and kill him to set her up. You know, like... Oh, man. There are so few people who know this. I mean, Tyson, Alice, maybe? Well, the Mallrats in general know that Spike was the one who kidnapped and tortured Ebony, you know, and they Mm -hmm. don't care, but they are aware of it. (laughs) They don't care, but it's on their radar. But, but like, no one outside of the mall knew this unless Spike bragged about it. Right, you know, and Mm. so it's just knowing that somebody who is... This is personal, and it's mm-hmm. her. She's the target. And, of course, again, how did they get this body in here? There's no way they should have been able to without being seen by somebody. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that means whoever I've got working for me were involved or turned a blind eye. Both of those are a huge problem for me. Someone's setting me up. Mm-hmm. Because this yeah. is the second day the Marats have come to me accusing me of being the one taking people. And conveniently, a body's in my pool now. Yeah, she's not dumb. Yeah. But she's scared. I love even how Bray's threats to her are empty, fearful threats. Mm-hmm. Because seriously, Bray, if Ebony really is going to do? do what you <laughs> think she's going to do, how do you think you're going to stop her? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I get it. He's scared. He's terrified. He, as he said, <laughs> I stood up for you when Danny accused yeah. me with no evidence. You know what I mean? And there's a body in your pool, Ebony. And he doesn't think for a second that she didn't do it. Yeah. Because he knows she's capable. He knows what Ebony. He knows Ebony better than I think anybody does. It's just great payoff to it's everything these people have been going through. All Even the asinine stuff that you're just like, why? There's a 
payoff to it. There's a consequence to how Ebony behaved in the mall, to what she did to people in there, that when she realizes something's wrong and needs them to trust her, they have zero reason to do so. Yep. It's perfect mm-hmm. setup for it. Absolutely. She did Trudy wrong in one of the wrongest ways you could wrong a person. Yep. And Trudy is the key to her undoing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. She wanted to be separated from the mall rats because they were driving her crazy. But it's only made her more isolated and in danger. Like, it's just, ah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Great writing, guys. Great writing. Great scene. It almost makes all the crap we had to go through for weeks worth it. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. Don't bite your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jack. <laughs> Look how drunk. <laughs> Poor Jack. Dude, mm. I, I was focusing on him in the background and I was just like, man. But he stayed so in character. It was so good. Oh. Look, she dislocated that shoulder because he's he's mm. looking in pain. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, Jack. You didn't deserve that. <laughs> You didn't deserve that. You didn't you deserve that. I just, what did they expect would happen to you? It could have been you in the pool. If, they, if yes. she's really doing what they think, they sent you back to a killer. What were they thinking? Idiots. They suck. They do. They do suck. Yeah. Everybody just sucks. Everything sucks. It's fine. Bray looked pretty good coming through that door, though. He did. I'll mm-hmm. give him that. Trench coat flapping in the wind. Yes. The hair. Over, Ebony. I have the high ground. Like, yes. <laughs> yes, I win. <laughs> I am king of the mountain. I love how in every scene that he ever has to shout down at Ebony. Now, clearly, Dwayne is much taller than Meryl. Everybody <laughs> is. <laughs> Almost comically Except so. Except for one. I. It, is there anyone shorter than Casey? Maybe. Nobody's shorter, but Lex isn't that much taller. Okay, he can look her eye to eye. Okay. But um, everybody towers over her, even the children. And um, I love it how even though he will be looking down at her and she has to look up at him, he still never has... What, I never feel like he has the power in that conversation. No. I always feel like she's holding court, even if she's looking up mm-hmm. at him. She is. That's how good she is, yeah. She's just yeah. that good. She is glaring up at him. And I'm like, it feels like he's under her boot. Like, he's the one. Even though he has, he's got command, he's got reason to be accusing her and everything, it still feels like it's her court. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. It's because he never knows which way it's going to go. Meryl. Meryl, Meryl, Meryl. <laughs> and she is amazing. You mm. truly are a queen at your craft, sweetheart. Yes. <laughs> and she so easily flushed Jack out. It was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> applied a little bit of pressure she knew he'd crack it was just so easy to do. <laughs> she worked him really well they're just lucky she wasn't actually interested in harming jack yeah. yes they are yeah. fortunate that the only thing she wanted to do was play with him mm-hmm. yeah she knew mind games would do would go farther with jack yeah. than physical but <laughs> because she clearly obviously she all she had to do was poke him and it would have been done. She also knew, mm-hmm. like, one, I think Ebony does like Jack. Two, she yeah. knew this wasn't Jack's idea. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So she was like, I'm not even going to blame him. He's been, you know what I mean? They obviously put him up to this. So I'm just going to mess with him. But I'm not going to do any permanent damage to this kid. Like, she doesn't have anything personal against Jack. 
No. Yeah. No, she knows he's useful. I mean, Jack clearly yeah. won't think that. It won't seem like that from his point of view, but... <laughs> no, I always thought that there was a sort of respect there from, from her. He's going to come yeah. out of this going, I almost died. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like trust me, Jack. She wanted you dead. <laughs> yep. Ray wouldn't have found you in one piece. I have this bruise. <laughs> Lucky, that's all you got. I don't, I'm not even sure he has a bruise. I think I might not be right, but I think later somebody said you don't have a mark on you. <laughs> so, oh yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that said later. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that makes sense. Yeah. But still, he it was probably Dal. I don't blame him for reacting the way he did because if I were Jack going up against Ebony, I'd play possum too. It's your safest. I'd bet. probably pee my mm-hmm. pants. Yeah, I'd probably curl up in a ball and pee. It's fine. Poor Jack. But yeah, again, kudos to the makeup team because Spike looked so creepy floating in that pool, mm-hmm. and to the actor for mastering that back float the way he did because he just. Poor oh, yeah. Spike. Mm. <laughs> Rest in peace. So unsettling. I don't care that Spike died, though. I, I don't no. know anyone else feel that way. <laughs> I didn't care no, it's him. not that I liked him as a character, but it's always nice to have those secondary like villains, you know? Mm. Like, I just, back up the minions. I felt the same way about Spike dying as I did Glenn. Well, actually, I cared more when Glenn died, you know, because oh, I, yeah. I really cared about Glenn's story. Like when we get to the third right. act and like, oh, man, we started in the first episode with this poor kid. And this is where he ended, you know, because of what Lex did. That's so sad. With Spike, it's more just a nice reward to his storyline. Like, oh, he's mm-hmm. back. And there's a payoff. But I never I wasn't ever attached to Spike, nor did I ever care about his character. Which is fair. I just, I, I guess I'm going to miss seeing him mess with people. I don't think I liked his acting, I think, maybe. I was a little stiff. I didn't know. It's, he brought in spiders. I don't like him. I don't like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> it means like, Let me he made this. Ebony cry, you guys. Come on. I don't even blame him for that. Like, I actually prefer, I liked his torture of Ebony because she totally deserved it. And I felt him. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I felt his frustration. And I was like, his torture wasn't that bad. It's when he locked her up that I was like, damn, Smite. Oh, that, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, that tells you something about him. But yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh man, Spike's dead. I was just like, Ooh, this is getting good. Okay, cool. So that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. So Alice confides in Tysan about her suspicions of Trudy. And Tysan is forced to confess that it's not Trudy who Lex is in love with. At which point, Alice finally connects the dots and realizes the truth. So yeah, what did you make of the final bit of the episode panel? I just, I felt my heart break for Alice. Me too. I mean, I was, I was, I guess I was kind of relieved that it was finally out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just, the realization of, of when she figures it out and watching the range of emotions, you know, or the range of emotions across her face. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very hard to see. Mm-hmm. Alice d- did not deserve that kind of pain. Nope. You know, and and when she thought it was someone that she didn't really know, uh, it was anger, right? She was angry. She was on a war path, and then you f- she finds out that it's it's Tysan, and she, you know, she's figuring it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking. It's just, it's. I hate it. I hate it so much can see that emotional turmoil i think you're right maggie when it wasn't someone she really knew she could just be angry 
She, you yeah. know, she could be like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, she's playing games with Trudy when she suspects it's her. And, mm-hmm. and she's telling Tyson, she all but admitted it, you know, and you can see it's just more of a, a resentment that she's feeling towards Trudy. Um, yeah. And when she, you know, Tyson's like, no, it is not her, you know, and lets her friend come to the obvious conclusion. It's not resentment. It is heartbreak that she feels. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like, I can hate someone I'm not close to. I can resent them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I can think bad things about them from afar and just accept that that's what Lex prefers over me. But you're someone I genuinely care about. I love you. And I have to try and reconciling these hurt feelings with the anger and the resentment for you. Like, And then you could act this way towards me. She, just finding out it's Tysan complicated it so much yeah. for what she's yes. supposed to feel here. Um, she doesn't want to hate Tysan. We know that. No. Um, and we'll see her struggling with wanting to hate Tysan because it's like, why can't I just hate you? You hurt me. You you betrayed me, and yet I freaking love you. And it's just, yeah, it's really well acted. I like that Tysan yeah. mm-hmm. isn't. She, you could tell even Tysan's tired of running from this. She tried to tell yes. her earlier, yeah. and Lex was like, "Hey, baby, um, over here, look over here." And, stopped it from happening because <laughs> he really didn't want it to happen he really didn't uh, but you know tyson's like no she doesn't hold back she's just like it's not trudy she could have easily left she could have left started to think it mm-hmm. was trudy and keep sneaking around with lex or whatever and see how long that would have lasted but she's like no she needs to know it's me and she doesn't she doesn't pull a feel sorry for me card. She doesn't try crying. She doesn't try, I'm so sorry, Alice. Please don't be mad at me. She just yeah. lets Alice figure out and feel what she's going to feel, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Alice, it was like, you know, she got her heart broken by Lex. And then she got her heart broken by Tysan. Yeah. Y- you just, you can see everything about Alice's demeanor change from how she feels when she thinks it's Trudy. You know, and then how she feels when she realizes it's Tysan. It's a whole yeah. different emotional ball game for mm-hmm. her. Outclassed again. What a way to end the episode, though. I think the Spike scene was a stronger one, but this one is definitely more, I guess you could say, emotionally cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Like, it may not be plot strong, but emotionally, this is a relationship between the three of these people. That we have grown to care about. We really do care about Alice. Yeah. She is the center of this. So to end there with her finally hearing the truth, even though it's so horrible, and we know all the reasons that she hasn't. We know how we got here, however we feel about it. So for her to finally get that much-deserved information, yeah, it's emotionally cathartic, and yet you're still, like, holding your breath because you got to know how she's going to handle it. And Yes. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. There's two really powerful cliffhangers there, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think we did end on the right one. Yeah. I love how, I will say this, even though I could do without all the melodrama of the teenagers, I do like how chaotic the mall has feeling. Like, it was chaotic, we, like, that's just the mall in general, um, mm-hmm. and we go through these periods of just utter chaos in that place, where your head hurts after every episode. But then, you know, it calmed down a bit, and um, I love how the chaos has just been ramping with every episode so that you can you can understand why the mall rats literally cannot get their heads on straight to see that the Chosen are coming. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you can get it. You can understand why they, they can't really fathom that that's the threat. They can't put this puzzle together. It's a mess around them. Everything is a mess around them. Nobody can think straight. Everybody, there's just, there's no real, they're all their alliances with each other are fractured. They're all over the place. They cannot come together as a family and use their wits to work out what the threat coming for them even is, you know, and I think they do a great job of creating that emotional chaos for the viewer when you're watching it. Yeah. Like, no wonder they don't have any clue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who does that baby belong to, I wonder? I was thinking that earlier. It's got to be one of the other Chosen members, you know, because they're babies or Zoot's babies. Yeah, there's a couple. I freaking hope it belongs to one of the Chosen. I really do, because at least, <laughs> at least I know that that baby's mother is somewhere and will have her child return to her. I'm going to get it back, get the baby it- back. <clears throat> yeah, have him return to her. I just have to think it's... It's one of the girls, like Rose, who helped deliver all the other babies born to yep. Zoot. Yep, maybe it's... Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's who, that's who he belongs to, one of those girls. He's got a mama. I just have to hope he does, because I hate the idea of how callously Jaffa would discard that baby. That's what I was thinking. His mother isn't within his own clan. What would he do? He Because I totally see Jaffa kidnapping a baby to his own purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, and then being like, we don't need this baby anymore. Discard <laughs> it. No, he would literally would just say, discard of it. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. care where this baby ended up. And so I'm like, I hope your baby, your mother is with the Chosen. I really do, sweetheart. I, I, I honestly hope that this baby's mommy is taking care of Brady and being given the honor to have her child replace the divine child for a bit. Probably. It'd be a nice thing, but I don't think Jaffa's that sensitive. <laughs> oh, man. I guarantee, I would not be surprised if the mother was one of the lowlier chosen. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And has <laughs> no, been manipulated like, the honor. You have the honor of your child just being used as a divine child. Probably didn't have a choice mm-hmm. at all. Nope. And no. it's just waiting there. She was probably, just told. <laughs> probably not even given news on how her baby's doing. You know, I, I highly doubt Trudy's taking the time to tell this poor lowly girl, your son's great. He's good. He had a rash, but that's because I gave him orange juice. But don't worry, I cleared it up. It's fine. Um, and I won't let anybody else change his diaper. Yeah, he sits it, for a little it's while. Really it's really cool. Okay. You know, he's 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 happy. He's cheerful. He doesn't really cry or have a personality. You're, he's fine. You know. Oh, he's with a twelve-year-old. It's it's cool. Yeah, I doubt that's happening. She doesn't even bring the kid with her when she goes to Jaffa. Oh, he's with the child that got my child kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that poor mother, all she's doing is hoping that the Supreme Mother succeeds so she can have her baby back. Yeah. What if it's a baby that Lex saw when he was with the other strays? Yep. Ooh. I'm just saying, like, headcanon-wise. Because they were supposed to be going to meet up with the Chosen. Right, and we're like, there's no place for a baby here. <laughs> just saying. Just be a fun piece of headcanon, that's what happened to him. <laughs> it is now. It is now. Alright, cool. So that brings Series 2, Episode 44 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast, do send us a message on our Facebook page or on our website, thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for episode 45. Until then, bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye.